we all we all like a cold beverage from time to time. The problem with a cold beverage, of course, is that it can it can ruin your wood table. I have discovered a way to get free coasters. It is a little bit shady. So our plan is to take this idea, Ian's discovery, to a panel of experts and let uh, them decide if it's ethical or not. Uh, joining us now are Carrie Shepard and Tyler Green. So he, here's what happened. I was uh, couch shopping. I went online and I requested some uh, fabric swatches. And uh, they came in the mail and I realized they made excellent coasters. I love it. I think, I think it's very DIY. It's very Etsy. Uh-huh. Seems like hmm. your speed. I like you, it. And you don't have to return the swatches, right? I've been assuming you keep them. Yeah, I think you do keep <laughs> yeah. them. But if you were at a party, at a dinner party, where you know maybe you not you don't know the people that well, getting to know them, and they bring out <laughs> these as coasters, what would you think? Well, I would recommend that you trim them up a little bit first, maybe, and mm-hmm. add another like border to them, maybe. Like go yeah, the yeah. extra mile a little bit, because right now it kind of just looks like you cut out a square yeah. from like. I don't see myself going the that. extra mile, yeah. but I would say I think if I showed up at a party, uh, and somebody had these, I wouldn't think, oh, fabric swatches. I would think, oh, kind of Etsy-ish coasters. Yeah, yeah these don't right? look like fabric swatches. No. Yeah. Here, here is the big question, though. So I happened upon this by accident. I was. Actually, honestly, shopping for a couch, I uh, ordered fabric swatches for their intended reason. They came to my house, and I realized they were coasters. Do you think it makes sense? Do you think it is ethical for us to recommend people go online, order fabric swatches with no intention of buying a couch, just to get some cool-looking coasters? Yes. I am going to do this now, (laughs) yes. This is How to Do Everything. I'm Ian. And I'm Mike. On today's show, we'll tell you how to swear like a Canadian. And a German. And others. And we'll tell you how to get uh, an exclusive World Series shirt. But first, uh, Mike was flummoxed over over breakfast this week. I was reading the back of my cereal box uh, looking at the word search, the hidden word puzzle. Yes. And it occurred to me that uh, just by having random letters on the word search, you could Find a swear word. What cereal were you eating? Uh, cinnamon. Andy Gattel creates word search puzzles for the magazine Highlights for Children. So, Andy, how do you make sure no random swear words occur in a word search where you know the, the letters are just scrambled up? Well, you know, in, in the old days, um, we actually had a, a freelance editor who was the go-to guy. He was our vetter of all random combinations of letters. And so when a word search <laughs> got submitted here, it would go to him. And so we actually had somebody who was expert at it. Did he have a, a potty mouth around the office? Uh, anything but. You know, he was not the, he was not the cut up in the back of the class. Somehow I don't think that was the path that led him to that profession. Uh, today, now, of course, um, we use computers a lot more, and uh, we use a program to create a lot of our stuff. And there's a, uh, an embargoed word list built into it and you can actually go in and customize it for whatever you need. Is there anything on that list that would surprise us? Um, I, I don't think so. I mean, we try to uh, not go overboard with it. You know, it's not exactly the George Carlin list, but it's that kind of thing. It's the, yeah. uh, you know, absolute expected things that you would you would find. Well, you think about like how, how quickly language changes and especially now with stuff like Urban Dictionary, you know, new sort of insults and bad words come along all the time. How often do you have to go in and add something to the list? 
Well, it's interesting. Um, I worked on a project recently where we had a couple of alien characters that we were kind of building this series of hidden picture puzzles around. All right. Uh, and I, I gave them what seemed like pretty innocent random names, and and then I went looking uh, to the Urban Dictionary and was uh, just amazed. At, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I felt so innocent and naive, you know. So, uh, well, can you tell us tell us the names before you changed them? Sure. Well, one of them I, I was called Spronk, and I'll let you look up <laughs> your Urban Dictionary to see what that means. I think it was Spronk and Tweebel. Oh my. <laughs> Can we just break in here? You may at this point be tempted to look up Spronk. Maybe go to Urban Dictionary and type it in. Don't do it. It's the worst. It's the gross. You're never going to forget it. (laughs) And they're now Zats and Zirkle, and we think they're okay. We've done a lot of checking. You said Zat. They've become Zats and Zirkle? Yeah, Z-A-T-Z and Z-U-R-K-L-E. And you say, Andy, you, you also do the hidden picture puzzles? Uh, well, I'm not an illustrator, but yes, I work on those as well. And do you, you, I imagine you guys have to update the things you're hiding as technology and things change. Yes, it's a chronic problem for people who do puzzles for kids. If you have a hidden object and it's a telephone, it doesn't look anything like a telephone looked even, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. So, you know, we try to be aware of that stuff. Um, even something as simple as a toothbrush they don't look exactly the way they oh, did yeah. when I was a kid. I mean, they're you know they're more they're sleeker, they're yeah. multicolored, they're they're they have more kind of uh, shapes and edges than a than a kind of rectangular boxy toothbrush, which is typically what we hide. Well, Andy, thanks so much for for talking to us about this. Uh, my pleasure. You know what we should do? We should do a, a word search. We should try and do like a audio word search uh, in the rest of the podcast. We can hide words throughout the podcast yeah so what we're going to do is you're going to hear words uh from andy uh different styles of haircuts these words are if you find all of them send them to us in an email and it will be some kind of prize it's gonna be fantastic probably pretty bad really good probably it's not even worth doing this i wouldn't even listen to the rest of the podcast it's it's better than your coasters Hey, Eric, what can we help you with? Well, I was lucky enough to have a friend invite me to join him for Game 6 of the World Series, and as a big Red Sox fan, I, of course, am really excited about their win. But I had another friend say, if you can snag me a T-shirt or a hat, I would love that. And I thought, you know, the game just ended, and it's crazy how those hats and T-shirts are already right here. And I wondered what that trail looks like for manufacturing all the way to the stadium and then all of the sports stores around there already had them about by midnight and then continued to receive shipments throughout the next day or two. So I wondered, what does that trail look like and does it exist for the losing team as well if they were to have made it a game step? Yeah. All that kind of stuff. All right, Eric, we're going to look into this. All right, great. Steve Sedell is the president and CEO of Sports Fan Marketing Inc. He's the guy there at the end of the game selling pigtails, World Series t-shirts, pompadour. So, Steve, how does this work? Do they make two versions of all the the championship t-shirts? Um, yes and no. <laughs> right. I'm I'm contracted by Major League Baseball as their on-site merchandise retailer in the city where the World Series is uh, held. Okay. So, I set up some temporary retail locations in St. Louis. This year, I had an order in should St. Louis have gone up three games to one, 
in the series on after Sunday night. Then on Monday, I would have had some shirts printed, and I would have. I'm taking a financial gamble, basically. Okay. That I'm going to have shirts uh, available right after the game. The same shirts. It's called the locker room shirt that the players are wearing on the field. So I would have taken a gamble, you know, if St. Louis was up three games to one in the series, that the likelihood, you know, that they're not going to lose three straight and they'll win, you know, hopefully they'd win Monday night in their home field. But if the Cardinals, if I would have bought St. Louis Cardinals World Series champion T-shirts prior to the World Series ending and the Cardinals lost, then uh, MLB has a program in place called World Vision. Uh And in my agreement that I sign for them to print me champion shirts in advance to have them available right when the game ends, I have an agreement that I sign that I have to ship the boxes that are sealed up, you know, unopened, untouched. Uh, I ship them to World Vision, and then World Vision distributes those boxes accordingly to, you know, third world countries and their and their program. Like I gotta ask though, so you say the the boxes are sealed. You don't see the losing team shirts, but a- after it's all over, you you've got it right there. You got to take a look, right? No, I don't. You've never it's looked. Gonna be, it's going to be the same exact graphic as the winning team shirt, except the logo is going to be different. It, it, I mean, I think a lot of people would would find the wrong shirt kind of a nice souvenir, but you you are not allowed to even pull one off and keep it for yourself. I cannot, and you know, you can search eBay, Amazon, any of these websites. You probably will not find a legit, authentic losing team shirt of any World Series, Super Bowl, NBA Finals. You you just won't. I mean, you may find yeah. a counterfeit one but not a licensed shirt. We're under some really, really strict guidelines. Oh, dango. So, Steve, can you tell us about a time when you really took a bath on some shirts? Um, I'm trying to remember, which uh, was one of, the, uh, one of the Super Bowl games where I had bought a large amount of one of the teams. Because Super Bowl, it's one game, winner yeah, take all. Yeah. Okay, so if I want to be able to have... Uh, champion shirts available for the fans when they come out of the stadium. Um, I need to, you know, decide how many of each team that I want. And uh, it was Oakland, Tampa Bay, and uh, we bought like a eight to one ratio, and Tampa Bay ended up winning. So, oh, you know, we we're sitting on like six hundred Oakland Raiders champion shirts, and we had like seventy two Tampa Bay. We sold all the seventy two Tampa Bay and, and made our profit on those, but the six hundred. Oakland shirts, you know, I lost my cost. So overall, in the end, it was a losing uh, proposition. So what, what, what all do you look at when you're when you're making the calculation? Is it the same things I would consider if I were going to make a bet on the game? Um, I would say there is a little, uh, you know, correlation there. Yeah. You know, it can easily be seen as that. Do you ever encounter somebody watching the game and they'll be like, "Oh, I've got fifty bucks on this game." And you'll be like, yeah, I've got 600,000 T-shirts on this game. <laughs> well, I don't have 600,000 T-shirts, but I've got, a, you know, sometimes 100,000 plus investment. I mean, are you follow, Are you watching games hoping oh, yeah. for, mm-hmm. yeah? Oh, yeah. I'm continuously <laughs> watching, especially now in the college. Uh, not so much with the NFL. Yeah. You know, the NFL, you know, there's four teams that are really good and the rest are horrible. So, But are you, uh, are you watching games rooting uh, for one team based on what's going to have the most lucrative end to the season? 100%. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, so uh, if I were a shirt-gambling man, Steve, where would, I, where would I put my money, Alabama? <laughs> Just keep betting Alabama. <laughs> 
Well, this has been great. Thanks for your time, Steve. Okay, my pleasure. Anytime. This week in Dubai, a Canadian man uh, said the phrase, F off. And that got him in a lot of trouble with the strict profanity laws there. Now, his lawyer is arguing that the Canadian man actually did nothing wrong because in Canada, F off uh, is not an insult. So that got us thinking, how do people swear around the world? Christiane, where are you right now? Uh, I'm uh, in the Toronto area in Canada. I'm French-Canadian on my dad's side, and, okay. well, my dad himself, he, he did a lot of cursing in French. What kind of things would you hear? Well, the thing is that with, with French cursing, there, there's a tendency to select all of these words that refer to different items in the Catholic Church and to sort of string it all together as a, a whole line of blasphemy and cursing, and so that's, that's the, pretty much the, the highlight of what cursing is like in, in Quebec. What, what do you mean? Give, give us an example. Well, like, for instance, you've got calice, which is the chalice, and ciboire, which is the ciborium where the host is placed in, and tabernacle, which is the tabernacle, and esti, which is the actual host. And then when you kind of string it all together, it sounds something like maudit calice et tabernacle esti. And, and it's also the way that you emphasize it. It's almost like you're, you're really tasting the word when you say it. You're sort of like stretching out those syllables and saying, tabarnak, <laughs> oh, wow. you know, sort of like really emphasizing yeah. it. Yeah. If a kid said that word, would, would he get in trouble or is it? Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Well, do you want to, uh, this is great. Do you want to leave us with one final uh, curse? Moudzikalis <laughs> tabarnak I would say same to you, but... (laughs) (laughs) Here's Matt. He's got some German curses. Uh, You got your basics. You have, uh, you know, scheiss. Everyone knows that. Mm -hmm. There's also, like, the the weird ones. Like, you have a zitzpisse, which basically means someone who's whipped. Ah. Is there a a more direct translation? A zitzpisse is someone who sits down when they pee. Oh, okay. (laughs) Zitzpisse. Ramola uh, speaks Hindi and Bengali. I guess, first of all... Do you have any special qualifications as a swearer? Oh, <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, quite the opposite, actually. I think um, in our household, it's it's not it's frowned upon to okay. actually swear. Okay, but if you had to, what would you <laughs> what would you say? Um, we use a word called paji pajhara in Bengali. Paji pajhara? Did I say that? Yeah, Close? and paji in in Bengali means devil. Okay, baji. And Bajhara is the dust off of someone's feet. Okay. And, and, so basically in India, you have a practice of showing respect to elders or to people um, by touching their feet. Okay. Um, and it's a sign of respect when you take dust from somebody's feet. You know, you say, you are a Baji Bajhara. All right. Um, calling somebody useless in Bengali... Uh, one way to do it is by calling them Sharid Gobur. Okay. And Shar in Bengali means ox. And Gobur means dung. So you're basically calling somebody ox dung, mm-hmm. which doesn't really make a lot of sense. If you do, like, if, But if you take into account the fact that cow dung in India is actually very, is used a lot, and in comparison, ox dung isn't, and so actually calling somebody ox dung makes sense because you're basically saying that you know, there's no use for it. And that's interesting because you know, we say bullshit here. Yes, and exactly. Is- actually, the closest thing 
that I I was thinking about and like what would be a translation that would come close to bull and it's also peculiar because we say ghora din and ghora in bengali and in hindi means um horse and din means egg and that translates into nonsense or bull uh-huh. but it actually means um horse egg the idea being that uh, a horse like a horse yeah. egg is a nonsense thing yeah Exactly. Send Saturday at 2.40 p.m. Hi, I'm Jamie, and I listen to How to Do Everything while I'm grounded from TV because of a bad math grade. Well, Jamie, these next 15 seconds are for you. You know, there's a lot of educational TV out there. It programs that sharpen your mind. Math-based shows. Yeah. Numbers. I don't Uh think anybody ever saw that one, though. Two and a Half Men helps you with fractions. Rat tail. It's time. It's time to collect our final toilet of the week. And for our final toilet, we have this recommendation from a listener in California who recommends the bathroom at her local Target. She says uh, the the restrooms at the Target are uh, very clean, well-stocked with everything you need. So we're going to give them a call. Operator. Hi, can I talk to you about your toilet? Hold on one second. What is it that you need to know about the toilet? I am calling from the How to Do Everything podcast, and one of our listeners suggested that your toilet is especially clean and worthy of our Toilet of the Week prize. Hold on. Okay. That does it for this week's show. What we learned today, Mike? I learned that Target doesn't quite appreciate being our last toilet of the week. Well, maybe they just uh, they want to spend their time keeping it uh, clean and well-stocked, not talking about it. They don't want to celebrate you know? it. Act like you've been there before, Target bathrooms. In Toilets of the Week, actions speak louder than words. French twist. You wonder the fact that we're sending these shirts overseas, the shirts that are printed with the wrong team winning. Yeah. You know, I, I don't I don't know what countries they're going to. I don't know if they follow these sports, but we may be creating this whole uh, other timeline where uh, wherever these went, everyone thinks that the St. Louis Cardinals won the World Series in 2013. So everything after that has changed. Yeah. The Red Sox, with their stupid beards, uh, ruined their chances becomes a completely beardless society yeah. from then on yeah. Be- beards are scorned as as losers the losers face how to do everything was produced this week by sarah geis and Stephen tobias technical direction from lorna white our intern this week is rabbi dan kamen mazel tov, i think that's right get us your questions at howto at npr.org and visit our website how to do everything I'm Ian. And I'm Mike. Thanks. Thanks.
up to 